0: Today's episode is a loaded one, friends. I invited my friend Grace to the podcast to chat all about things postpartum period. Grace and I share a glimpse into what our postpartum periods have looked like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We also answer audience submitted questions, including diving into the topics of breastfeeding, postpartum depression and anxiety, tongue ties, sleep issues, how to prepare for the postpartum period, navigating your new relationship with your husband, and so much more. Grace Elaine Brown is a mama of two little girls and a wife to a country singing Marine Corps officer Caleb. She's a convert to Catholicism and enjoys her fair share of musicals, occasional glasses of whiskey, writing on her blog, and a bowl of chocolate ice cream every night. In the spare moments between her tasks as a mother and homemaker, she runs a freelance marketing and Pinterest management business that specifically serves Christian businesses. On Graceful Catholic her blog and YouTube channel for Catholic Moms. She shares her journey of learning how to take care of husband and home, what life is like as a semi-crunchy mama, and everything else, marriage, babies, and traditional Catholicism. If you're a mom, aspiring mom, or friends with anyone who is a mom, this podcast is a must listen.
1: All right, let's dive on in. You're listening to the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're a Catholic woman desiring to live by God's standards and not society's expectations, then this podcast is for you. Each week, we bring you actionable tools to live out your vocation confidently while empowering you to know the truths and teachings of the Catholic faith. Whether you need advice, encouragement, or connection, you are in the right place. So if you're ready to dive in and become the woman God created you to be, then get ready because here is your host, Marie Hansen.
0: All right, welcome back, friends. I am so excited for today's episode because this has been a highly requested one chatting all things postpartum period with my friend Grace Brown. Grace and I met a couple years ago over Instagram. Um, We have like a whole history of like doing a marriage thing together and stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, But I asked her to come on the show because we both had different postpartum experiences. um, And I feel like this episode would be better if it's more like two friends chatting about different experiences um, so that you know, everyone's postpartum experience is going to be different. Um, but this way you can get like two different perspectives and we can just kind of answer any of the questions you guys had, um, in a very casual and, you know, no judgment zone. So Grace, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to chat with you.
2: Yes. Thank you for having me. And it's extra, it's extra fun for me because I'm actually 34 weeks pregnant today. (laughs) And that means that postpartum is right around the corner. <laughs> so that's oh gonna goodness. be a good refresher for me.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, first of all, congratulations on your pregnancy. That is so exciting. I'm so excited to see the little baby that you have in the next couple of months, which is that's so crazy. So exciting. I know. I know. <laughs> She's
2: almost here. I'm like, oh my oh gosh. My I, I was just, I woke up this morning and I was like, I need to clean the guest bathroom. <laughs> there will be guests arriving soon. And you know, it's in like weeks, but yeah. So right. that's what I did
1: <laughs> this it's morning. True, but you never know.
2: Enough.
0: You never yeah, know when it's they're true, coming. This is so. true.
2: Well, Abigail was 37 and a half weeks. Um, yeah. So if, yeah. if we were going by previous baby math, uh, it yeah. would be in a couple of weeks. So yeah. That's we're hoping true. I'm hoping for a full 40 this, this time around <laughs> maybe like 39 um, yes
0: those extra so couple not, weeks like, can make a difference <laughs>
2: yeah exactly yeah exactly
0: yeah well why don't you um I guess like introduce yourself quickly and then just if you wanted to share like briefly your postpartum story with Abigail that with the audience that would be awesome
2: okay Um, so I, my name is Grace and I'm married to a Marine Corps officer named Caleb, and we are currently stationed in South Carolina. Um, but when I had Abigail, we were stationed in Pensacola, Florida. Um, we're originally from Texas. I'm from Fort Worth. He's from Kingsville. We met in the middle at Texas A&M go Aggies. (laughs) Um, so we're Texas people and hopefully we're getting out of the military soon will be back in Texas, so really looking forward to that. Um, but this current baby will be born in South Carolina, um, and like I said, Abigail was born in Pensacola. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I I never really worked um, when we got married. Um, I've always just kind of known that I wanted to be home with babies. I'm really extroverted though, so that's been a whole journey. That whole thing. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I have a blog, Graceful Catholic, and I recently started doing um, some Pinterest management stuff. Uh, I just kind of do fun hobbies on the side in, in between all the important stuff of taking care of my family. So uh, let's see, my story with Abigail, we were in Pensacola the whole time I was pregnant with her. Um, she was our first baby, first pregnancy, um, everything was actually pretty normal in my pregnancy until the very end. Um, And then I realized that all of the swelling and gaining, I think I gained like 45 pounds. uh, It was because I had preeclampsia. So at 37 and a half weeks that morning, I... That morning I posted my first YouTube video and then I went to a doctor's appointment and they told me, you have preeclampsia and you're getting induced today. And yes. I was like, oh, okay, oh big gosh. day, big day. Um, <laughs> they're like, you're going to have this baby. Um, and I will never forget, we were waiting for them to come back with the results of the test and I hadn't had lunch. And I was like, Caleb, go get me some Chick-fil-A because yes. if they tell me that I'm getting induced, they're not going to let me eat. He was like, oh no, Grace, like we'll go to Chick-fil-A after. Um, so <laughs> I'm uh not salty, but I'm a little bit uh I always eat before my appointments now. Like you never you never know if they're gonna they're gonna starve. You. Lesson learned. Um, yeah, yeah, lesson learned. Lo- the hard way, the the no Chick-fil-A <laughs> way. Um you can't keep a pregnant a pregnant lady from a Chick-fil-A. Um <laughs> they induced me uh at like 8 p.m. Um so through the whole night, I was, you know, having like kind of mild cramps. It wasn't so bad. I was able to sleep through them. Um, the only thing that kept me from <laughs> kept me from sleeping was I was on an IV with the magnesium sulfate, which is the muscle relaxer, as well as on the Pitocin, which is like, a, you know, to make your contractions happen. So my body was basically really just mad at me. Um, so I couldn't sleep very well that night. And then I think it took until about... 4 p.m. the next day for my water to break and for full-on transition to happen I was like on the floor like I'm gonna throw up uh this is horrible you know that whole fun stuff and that lasted for about an hour and a half I couldn't get an epidural because my platelets were too low even though I was totally begging for it because I planned like a (laughs) natural birth you know I had midwives it was gonna be this cute little thing I was gonna get in the tub it was gonna be great and then, like, none of that, <laughs> none of that happened, um,
1: <laughs> except for except for the
2: no epidural part. Um, unfortunately for for poor old me. Uh, but yeah. So had Abigail. Um, I only had to push for 15 minutes, which was awesome. Um, yeah. So once you know, once I realized I needed to push, uh, my contractions miraculously stopped hurting. It was kind of the best thing ever. I don't know if that's a thing for everyone, but. I was able to just kind of focus and get her over, over here. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so they kept me on. um, So I guess that starts the postpartum right then for about an hour. They waited for, I don't know if this is TMI or not, but for my placenta to, you know, be passed or whatever. Um, And then they were like, "Mm, we're going to scoop this out because it's not coming out. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I want. <laughs> OBGYN looked at me. And she said, "We can do it here, or we can do it in the OR." And I was, <gasps> oh, my gosh. oh, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, I was I was shocked, um, and I was also like, "Well, I don't want to go to the OR." So I guess that's my only option, uh, which was very uh, coercive and wrong of her to say.
0: Yeah, no um, kidding.
2: But- but, you know, whatever. And not to mention, I'm like, I'm all hyped up on these drugs. They had me on the magnesium. Um, I had to be on it for, I think, 24 hours after I gave birth because preeclampsia um, can still like, happen like after you give birth as well. The only cure for preeclampsia is to give birth, but it also heightens your blood pressure enough afterward to have to stay on it. So I, I couldn't hold Abigail unsupervised or anything, um, because I was, I mean, I was, I was livid enough, livid, lucid enough (laughs) to, sorry, pregnancy brain, also livid, uh, for other reasons. I was lucid enough to hold her and, like, you know, write her name on the certificate, and I don't feel like I missed too much of her, you know, first moments, which I'm really grateful for, Um, but I was feeling kind of flu-like, um, and then eventually, after uh, getting the placenta removed, I went into shock, and you know they were like, "Here's some warm blankets. You're gonna go to sleep for a while." <laughs> I was like, oh my god! Hey, sounds good. Oh man. So you know, just passed out. You know, casually um, in the hospital bed, and you know, Abigail was she was doing fine. She didn't have really any complications at the beginning. Um, we were able to, you know, she was able to be on my chest for a while. And we got a lot of the the, po- the really close afterbirth care that we wanted for her, which I was really grateful for. Um, yeah. So then let's see the ne- kind of the next couple of days. Uh, I think I stayed in the hospital for two and a half days. They made me stay in labor and delivery for 24 hours since I was on that uh, magnesium and then they moved me to the um like the postpartum recovery room uh which was it was so funny because i was like i'm ready to go like way <laughs> earlier than they took me i was like i can do it like i can go and then they tried to like load me up in the wheelchair and i was like oh no i can't sit in a wheelchair <laughs> i want to go back i want to i can't do it no um but they i think they still will me because the like the lactation consultant was trying to come find me because usually a mom just immediately gets moved to the postpartum room at this hospital so it was a whole mess she was like I just didn't know where you were I was like no not <laughs> you look it up but whatever so Abigail was able to feed pretty well um she was happy little healthy baby eventually we got out of there um like a week later she got jaundice, so we had to go back in the hospital so that was fun but yeah, that's basically <laughs> the most eventful parts of my immediately postpartum uh, adventure.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess I'll like share mine that we can talk more like extended postpartum too, because I know, yeah. I don't know when people consider when the postpartum period ends. I don't know, do you have like a, you are not postpartum anymore at this date?
2: <laughs> I think honestly, it's probably whenever
0: you have stop having t- symptoms. I mean,
2: that's a good point. Cause, I, I would say probably six
0: months, maybe. Yeah. It could yeah. even be
2: just whenever you get your, your period back. I don't really know, honestly. Yeah. I
0: think it just
2: depends.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I've never found like a like a strict, like this is no longer postpartum period. I don't yeah. know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I um, didn't have quite as eventful of uh, labor and delivery as you. My pregnancy, it was, we had two early losses before. Um, this pregnancy well I'm not currently pregnant the pregnancy with my daughter Um, and um, it was like a overall really good pregnancy except um, I was like severely anemic and I've always been like on the anemic side Um, and I had done everything like taking liver capsules all that kind of stuff to try to get my iron up Um, but at 39 (laughs) weeks they were like Marie you like need to do something about this and I just like, didn't want to make the wrong decision. So I went and got um, IV iron infusions for three weeks, which obvi- oddly enough, I actually made it. So I had her at, f- oh, then maybe it was two two week- two and a half weeks. I had her at 41 weeks, four days. And I finished my infusions literally the day before I had her. So like, she was like holding off. She knew mama needed to finish those. Um, but in hindsight, and what I've learned now, um, I don't actually think I was like, anemic enough to need that but that's a whole different story (laughs) um anyway so I had those iron infusions the couple weeks um before she came I was at the hospital like every other day an outpatient doing that which was really sucky um because the weeks before I literally was just like exhausted from those um but that's okay she came um my labor was like fast for like a first time mom it was 12 hours from the first like signs of labor until she was here, um, a little less than 12 hours. So that wasn't too bad. Um, it like labor was a lot harder than I expected to be. I also prepared for like all the natural things. And I was like, I know it's going to be hard, but I can do it. And then you just get there and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so painful. Um, so (laughs) I was not like I was ready, but not ready at the same time. So it was not as peaceful and beautiful as I had expected it to be. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, I delivered her um, vaginally. It went great. I had like a tear, like a, I don't know, second yeah. or third degree tear. So I needed stitches too, like a lot of people do. Um, but I got to push her out on my knees, which I wanted to do. And so like, I was able to do a lot of what I wanted to do, which was awesome. But then the postpartum for me was kind of a hot mess. And it <laughs> I still feel like it is. And I'm six months. It is a lot better now. But I'm six, almost seven months after she's been born. And we are still struggling a lot. So it kind of started um right after I gave birth. I also had a retained placenta. And it wasn't coming out um, for more than an hour. So they also had to manually go in and remove it. Um, and that definitely hurt. Um, I feel like I had her on my chest. So that definitely helped, like... Um, with the the hormones I was getting like from the birth high. Um, but it definitely hurt a lot for them to go in and manually remove that. Um, so that kind of sucked. Um, but other so then we like went home. Um, I think we were only there for 24 hours, which was crazy. We were able to go home the next day um in the evening. Um, she was born the day before Halloween. So we got home the night of Halloween, and I just remember oh. it was our first night home and there were trick-or-treaters and all this stuff. So we just put the bowl outside because I was like, I do not feel good to <laughs> deal
2: with it. I have my own so, kid to worry about y'all just exactly,
0: stay out there <laughs> exactly so we we got back um it was cute my family had come over and decorated our apartment before we got back which was really sweet um yeah and then just like postpartum was hard I would was I like I knew I'd be tired um and all that stuff um but on top of that about a week and a half after I was home, I started having grapefruit sized clotting, um, like literally massive clotting bigger than my fist. It was huge. And the postpartum discharge instructions say to like call if you're having clotting bigger than a golf ball. So I called and they're (laughs) like, they're like, we're not worried about this as long as it's not like followed by like massive bleeding. I'm like, well, I'm still bleeding and it's still bright red, but it's not like soaking. They were like, if it's soaking gotcha. through more than, I think they said a pad every hour, like a maxi pad every hour. I'm like, I like, I'm soaking through a maxi pad every like two hours. And they're like, no, that's fine. That's fine. Like, no, really. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. so I literally had this grapefruit oh. clotting for about two weeks. It was massive and so painful and so uncomfortable and they weren't concerned about it. And in hindsight, I'm realizing um, that it was probably my body, well, one, it could have been partially retained placenta, but two, it was probably my body trying to purge all that iron I had just been pumped with. Um, Like the more I'm realizing this because you're, how do you get rid of iron? You bleed it out. So my body was probably trying to like purge all this massive iron that had just been pumped into me. But anyway, that Claudium was very painful and just not very fun at all that's scary Um, oh yeah it was I was like why are you not concerned about me (laughs) it was it was a little I was a little I was not happy with my OB at that moment um and then after that we started having breastfeeding issues now I had breastfeeding issues from the beginning latching was very painful like I was bleeding um just very 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 uncomfortable um and I knew that breastfeeding would be hard to get the hang of at first. I was told like, wait like two or three weeks and then you'll get the hang of it and it'll feel better. Well, two or three weeks goes by and I did not get the hang of it and it did not feel better. And I was still bleeding and in so much pain. Um, And then like a week or so later, um, she started waking up and screaming all night long, like in so much pain. She would be up from 12 a.m. to 9 a.m. every night. And I was still miserable breastfeeding. Like I was crying every time I was breastfeeding. It was awful. Um, And so I was like, okay, this is not right. So we went to her doctor and they were like, she's fine. You're fine. I'm like, "Mm, no. So we found a sleep tie like specialist. I was like, this is like, she's got all the symptoms of oral ties. Um, And they're like, yeah, she definitely has ties. She had both lips, both buckles and a posterior tongue tie. Um, And so we started doing body work beforehand because it just was so bad that like if she had just had the release right away, um, it could have like easily like just like relatched or like not really fixed her function because she had been like so restricted, she wouldn't have known how to eat properly. So we did weekly chiropractic. We did like twice a week speech language pathology, and we also did craniosacral therapy for a couple weeks. Um, and then they said she was ready for her release, so we got it. Um and it was great decision because it has helped a lot but also it was very hard the six weeks following that with all the stretches and she was just like in a lot of pain um and I know it depends on the situation some babies like never eat like want to breastfeed again after that she however didn't really have a choice because she couldn't take bottles or pacifiers beforehand um she's gonna talk on this call I'm sure um but she like literally couldn't she had such restrictions restricted function she could only breastfeed so I had no choice either like I would have loved to pump and bottle feed her but I had no choice um so anyway the oral ties we kind of got those taken care of and um maybe like two months later we started seeing some resolution with like the breastfeeding so then um it's been like on and off it's been much better obviously I don't cry in pain every time I breastfeed anymore but because she just like doesn't have the best like latch. Um, she I get clogged ducts almost every other week, which really sucks. Um, and then just like we'll go through phases where it, her mouth is like tighter than usual, like recently, and it just is very painful um to breastfeed. So that's kind of been my experience with breastfeeding. And then we can talk about return to fertility later because I have an experience with that too. But um, <laughs> I have a lot of questions on breastfeeding that I'd like to get to in a second. But um first I do just want to um mention my friend Tasha with Pox Rosa. Um she is a mama too. She's also pregnant. She's due in October, though. Um so her baby will be a year younger than um mine is, which is awesome. But she is um a candle maker and she owns a really, really cool company um called Pox Rosa, and their mission is to rekindle the habit of prayer through their products. Um, she does simple hand poured Saint candles, which is awesome. Um, she sent me one and I absolutely love it. I am not like a huge candle person because I don't love like florally scents, but they have musky ones and she sent me the Saint Francis and I absolutely love it. I was like, I, I was like, I don't know, like I, like I said, like I'm not a huge candle person, but I love it. I burn it all the time. It smells so good. And it's like non-toxic too. That's, that's big to me. Um, cause I, I don't like toxins in the house and I get headaches from a lot of candles. So this one doesn't give me a headache, which is always a good sign. Um, oh but yeah. And so it's a Catholic company, um, Christ Center family business. Um, so if you would like to go check them out, oh, she also makes rosaries and stickers, which I absolutely love. I don't have any of the rosaries or stickers, but I was looking at her shop and I was like, ooh, adding all these stickers to my cart for my water bottle because I love water bottle evangelism. <laughs> so if you want to go check her out, you absolutely should. She's an awesome mama um, and a beautiful Catholic family. Go check them out on Instagram at Shop or online at www.pox-rosa.com. Um, and she's giving everyone a discount code too. Their discount is CWP10 for Catholic Women Podcast 10. And that gives you 10% off anything you purchase from her shop. Um, super sweet mama. I love her so much. And I will link everything in the show notes, but definitely go check her out and support her because she's due with the baby soon too. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Go. I
2: love non-toxic candles and I love them when they're like saint do they have like a quote on it or is it just called the saint I don't know I love all of that because yeah. I yeah a lot of Protestant yeah. family and friends and so yeah. I'll just put the oh, candle out and be true. like
0: smell this it's oh my gosh I love-, saints. <laughs> I love that yes and I love like yeah that's a good idea too like it's I did not even think about the evangelism aspect of it because they're like oh that smells good and you're like well let me tell you all about Saint Francis yeah yes Something well and gifting, like
2: it's kind yes. of a it's like a sneaky gift of like oh it's just you know it just happens to be that there's a <laughs> saint home. like I, I know that you're whatever but you know the blessed virgin mary you know it's it's, it's just a candle and oh, then they I just kind of look that. at it and then in their brain in their mind that and then the saints do their work and yeah so <laughs> i
0: love that yes is that
2: such is such that i don't know if that's evil of me to do or not no that's a good,
0: not at all it's a gift I think it's, it's good a very nice gift it.
2: Is and it it's thing? non-toxic. You're like, oh, I exactly. just buy them, you know, because they're hand-poured. And i like, I love supporting small
0: businesses. But really, exactly. <laughs> but really it's secret evangelism. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. Well, jumping back into questions about um, postpartum period before I dive into nursing, because I feel like we could talk a lot about this. Um, what is the best way that you can prepare for the postpartum period as a first-time mom? Oh, I think
2: when you were talking, I was really just thinking about the fact that moms, at least for me, I think this is a tendency for a lot of moms, is that we're going to be so focused on taking care of our baby that mm-hmm. we're going to completely ignore our own golf ball yeah. or uh, grapefruit sized <laughs> issue. Um, yeah, so I think just, um, uh, if you can at all, like prepare your husband, um, like, Caleb went to a lot of the uh, appointments with me, which was mm-hmm. a huge blessing because he was hearing, you know, these things that we needed to look out for for me. So he right. was able to kind of be my watchdog of like, okay, you know, are you like, how, how's that all going? Um, and as Catholics, like, we, uh, we had to do um, NFP stuff before so you know he's already got all the tmi so he's able to handle (laughs) that sort of thing so if your husband maybe hasn't uh gotten used to the tmi stuff maybe making sure that he's ready to watch watch out for you um having just someone like a friend or a trusted person to make sure that mom is still doing okay um because i mean obviously you know everyone's focused on the baby um but there's so many things and it doesn't have to be obvious, right? Like um, you bleeding, like you weren't really going to miss that likely, especially since, you know, our healthcare system really emphasizes that. Um, but like postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, those kinds of things uh, you can just ignore them. Frankly, you can, they can just get ignored because, Oh, well, she's just tired. Like you're obvious, yeah, you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. Um, but it could be, so much more than that um so that's what i was thinking about
0: Mm, that's a good point too i didn't even mention my postpartum anxiety and depression i don't know if you struggled with that but oh yeah that's something yeah it's just it just like comes out of nowhere and like it just like honestly you can attribute it to like eating poorly like because i forget to eat a lot (laughs) during the day or like lack of sleep like i'm still up every hour at night um, you know, it just or even like the baby blues, like I I knew what the baby blues would be. I was not expected for how much I was gonna cry those first few weeks. Yeah. But like uh, then like depression. trying to realize like, is this anxiety and depression or is this like just normal? You know? Um yeah. that is definitely really hard. And that's a good we'll we'll have to touch on that a little bit. Later. um, That's a good point. Um, I yeah. guess for me, something that helped me prepare was freezer meals, like literally my lifesaver was freezer meals because I did not want to cook. And thankfully, we had a lot of friends and family bringing over meals the first week or two. Um, But after that, like, after Ian went back to work, he was only off for like a week. So like after he went back to work I, and like the meals kind of, you know, stopped, it's like, okay, well, I'm not ready to like cook. I can barely take care of myself and this baby. So having yeah. a freezer, I think we had like two weeks worth ish of freezer meals, which was amazing. Um, And that was like so beneficial to me. Uh, it just gave me like that oh, two more yeah. week period of like being able to give myself grace and not have to worry about cooking. So that was something for me. That's amazing.
2: I didn't do that at all. And we didn't have any, we didn't have any family. We had a couple of friends in Pensacola, but they were busy. So I don't know. <laughs> well, our, 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 in my in-laws and my mom and people came in town to help us for a while. So I was like, who, who, who made me food? But it was them. My, my moms <laughs> and like Caleb, obviously he like, he likes to cook. So he was able to cook. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause I was so focused on Abigail had, you know, she was just kind of a tiny baby and her latches were so-so. I didn't have as much of a hard time as you did, but she wouldn't she wouldn't drink from the left side. Um, so I was having to pump that. And then we had to syringe feed her it because she wouldn't drink from the bottle. Um, and so that was just so frustrating. But like sometimes, sometimes when you, I, I got really touched out with Abigail because I just didn't set her down um and that is something as a first-time mom that I regret I just didn't set her down a lot for naps and things you know sometimes you have to hold your baby but I definitely um am going to set some more healthy setting down boundaries this time around so that way if like for instance if, if my next baby has issues with like the breastfeeding and I just remember so many times I just looked down at my crying you know they're screaming their arms are like flailing you're like why why can't you just just calm down why are you not calm why are you and then you're like oh it's because it's because I'm I'm crying at them and I'm screaming and we're we're both crying and yeah so yes, there's (laughs) a lot of mutual crying (laughs) sometimes that's what postpartum is and then sometimes I mean there really are good there, I, I think there are probably more good moments than bad, or yeah, just yeah. a lot of tired moments. Um, but definitely, I think people, at least for me, I focus a lot on offering intentions uh, during labor. But yeah. part of part of the struggle um, is definitely postpartum. So, like keeping that intentions list. Yes. And whenever you're mutually crying with your baby, um, I'm definitely gonna do that this time around because there was a lot of things um that I could have been offering up that I think I was just dwelling in the suffering and not. So
0: Yeah. That's that's so true. And I do want to point out there are obviously good moments postpartum. We're not trying to scare (laughs) people, but I know like a lot of first time moms, like we all prepare so much for like labor and delivery and we prepare a little bit for postpartum, but oftentimes postpartum hits you a lot harder than labor and delivery does. And that's just not something that we're told to expect. Um, And so I feel like that's why it really just needs to be talked about too, is all the all the things that could be in postpartum and like hopefully and I pray that like you don't go through all of these you know but just to like be prepared of what can happen and how to like deal with these things um yeah what can friends do to help a postpartum mom for me it was just bringing meals <laughs> bringing meals and maybe like cleaning my house how about you
2: yeah i would have loved some some meals um if someone brought me a meal i'm sorry i don't remember a lot of postpartum but i think uh yeah, food, um, just coming over and holding the baby. Oh, um, my friend Emma, God bless her, uh, Caleb was when Abigail was four or five, which I still consider postpartum because we were still having a four hard time. Four or five time. months. Um, yeah, four or five months. okay uh, yeah, sorry. Um <laughs> I'm like,
0: I know she's only like
2: no, no, no. still. <laughs> just to clarify for uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. She she was still not, she didn't want to sleep in her bassinet anymore. She didn't want to sleep in the crib. So I was just struggling. Caleb had, he was deployed or he went to 29 Palms, California um, for a month. And so my mom was able to come and help me for a while. um, But at the very end, he was gonna come back in a week. So, and then nobody could come out and help me. Um, I just called my friend. I was like, I I didn't sleep for the past two nights. I was having serious like insomnia and anxiety. Um, And she was like, I'm coming over. And I'm gonna take Abigail and you're gonna go sleep <laughs> and that was hard for me because it was hard because this is so contradictory but I was craving like friendship and like connection um because we were in Pensacola so most of my family and friends were back in Texas um so part of me didn't even want to sleep I was like oh i have a person like I can hang out with you know I'm really extroverted but then she was just like no like go <laughs> leave 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 leave. you need to sleep um and so that was yeah sometimes just doing that um that's really simple it's really easy you can do that for people and um you know taking care of a baby for an hour and a half even if you've never even taken care of a baby it's not it's not all that hard <laughs> they got yeah. kind of to just be bop <laughs> and maybe they'll sleep and yeah uh, exactly even if they cried the whole time like you're still saving that mom yeah (laughs) it's so true just go and hold a baby if if I mean obviously you want to ask you want to always ask if you're bringing a meal you know ask in advance like is this something you can handle like tonight you know heating up a lasagna that someone else made or did you have a plan um but I think uh I think that's probably one of the the most clear ways I was just blessed when I was postpartum because I was just I was a wreck and that's that pretty much saved me so
0: yeah that's a good point and I think like for me I would have loved to sleep but I also had such great anxiety of leaving her for like any time like any time I was not with her I was anxious so I feel like even just having someone to come over and talk like with to have like that adult connection would have been nice I didn't really get that yeah. a ton um I got it a little bit from like my sisters and mom, but like I didn't really have any friends do that. So that would have been so nice. That's really a good point. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into all things nursing. So what was your experience? Um, What helped? Did it come naturally? Just kind of all the things. okay
2: no it did not come naturally that's funny
0: um no when they first
2: you know handed me abigail i was like what the heck do i do with this little thing like i I, she's naked and this is weird and (laughs) i don't know i i had a very i don't know if it's because i don't know if i'm just awkward or what but i was like i don't i mean i knew i wanted to breastfeed so i was like okay i guess here we go and um I don't, I guarantee you she did not get any like colostrum or anything, um, the first time. And it part, I mean, part of it was, I was just exhausted. Part of it is I didn't, I never, I never breastfed before, so I didn't know like what a letdown like even felt like. Um, so, and I think they say it's just kind of mostly for the baby's practice anyway. Um, if they get something that's cool, if they don't like, it's okay. Um, and then yeah. So they, the lactation consultant couldn't come, she couldn't find me. So we were asking for her to come, you know, help me out, but they couldn't find me. I don't know. That's I, swear. So weird. I know this <laughs> yeah. time around, um, I have a doula and I, that's gonna, you know, if that sort of thing, I, I highly recommend getting a doula for first time moms. Cause that was the sort of thing that Caleb, like there's only so many times you can call a nurse in and be like, where's the lactation consultant? please. <laughs> like yes, yes. respectfully, I want to talk to them because I want my baby to be fed. Um, because they're telling you, they pressure you. They're like, your baby should be eating this many times and they should have this many wet diapers. And if they don't, that's a problem. And we might not let you out of the hospital. Um, so it's like, okay, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. So eventually, once I got to the postpartum room, um, I had a really, really nice nurse. Uh, she was Catholic. And she was like, Okay, you're gonna, the baby's gonna be screaming and angry because she's hungry. And then you just kind of slam her, (laughs) slam her on there (laughs) with her mouth open. And I was like, wow, uh, okay, that's not what the book said to do, but that's good. I like that. Um, So that kind of worked for a little bit, I guess, of like preliminary, like learning what a latch is supposed to be like. Um, So that was interesting, you know, for the first couple days i think it just kind of i guess it just kind of happened part of me is like oh gosh i didn't feed my baby for like three days but i know i'm for sure that they did i'm pretty sure that they gave her formula without my permission um which hospitals (laughs) yeah right uh but uh, whatever whatever um not salty i am salty but then once we got out of the hospital, oh, finally, the lactation consultant found us as we were trying just desperately to get discharged. We were like, we don't want to talk to you anymore. We'll, we'll make another appointment. We want to go home. We got home and she, my milk came in like fine. Um, I started pumping pretty early just because I wanted to make sure my supply got up and was consistent. Cause I had noticed that she was having a little bit of trouble Um, and she was really fussy anytime I put her on the left side. I thought maybe it was because she had had a shoulder dystocia, um, like during, you know, birth. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That was my like unmedical suspicion. (laughs) Um, for some reason, she just didn't want to do left side. I was like, okay, that's very annoying because that's, you know, half of your milk. Um, so I would pump and we would syringe feed her, uh, which, is I don't know it it was weird because you like put your pinky on the top of their mouth and then like squirt the syringe of milk in there um that's so hard it is it it was just it's a weird feeling like the gummy little mouth like Kayla and I both hated (laughs) it where you were like you do it no you do it I'm "I'm making the milk you go syringe beat the baby (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that uh because she would not take a bottle. She took a bottle one time. We have this cute picture of Caleb giving her a bottle. And then she said, heck no. And we tried okay. everything. I mean, we <laughs> tried like the, the slow flow bottle nipples. We tried, um, you know, like they say not to this, but we tried putting like sugar on the thing. Be like, oh, right, this right. is delicious. Come on, you love a bottle. And she was <laughs> like, heck no um you know I'm over here like mommy wants a glass of wine you're taking a bottle <laughs> um but that yeah she didn't she never took a bottle so then eventually I didn't know what to do we went to the lactation consultant we tried the little um what are those little things The little plastic oh those the shields we tried that to get her to do the left side um because I knew I wanted to breastfeed her for a while. So I wanted it to just be, you know, both sides and we're all even and whatever. Um, And then finally, I didn't know what to do. Like I said, we were crying at each other, very mad. Uh, My mother-in-law, it was in town. And I, um, at this point, I think I was still going back into my bedroom to breastfeed. Eventually I got over that and just started breastfeeding in front of people. I wear a lot of like, skirts and long shirts so I just kind of tucked her up under there and had you know was modest but I never really used a cover or anything um and finally I just prayed a novena to Saint Anne and I was like please you know mother of our blessed mother please please help me to be able to feed this baby normally and on the the third day of the novena she started drinking from my left side fine Wow. But it was like, yeah, wow. it was the first time I've ever prayed in Novena. I didn't even finish because, um, that was a blessing too, because God knows that I am not good at finishing Novenas. <laughs> he was like, all right, grace made it to third day. Like this is, this is good. Um, but so shout out to St. Anne for, you know, praying on my behalf because powerful intercessor and it worked and I, I don't know. I didn't do anything different. I'm telling you, I didn't do anything different. Uh, and I just prayed and it worked out. So it was kind of, kind of miraculous. I was like, okay, little baby, like, and I think, I mean, this was like a month in, this wasn't, um, we were syringe feeding her for quite a while, um, because we wanted to get her weight up because she was a little bit early. Um, and the pediatrician kept bothering us about her weight, even though, I have opinions you know, they pumped her full of IV fluid and then she peed it all out and they were like, she lost so much weight. Oh, like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole postpartum stress too. If you're in the hospital, um, look up, I think it's called, no, I don't remember. There's like the golden hour, which is like when you want to be with your baby. And then I think one of the biggest stressors for us was, We went back to the hospital, I forgot about this, a week after we had her, um, she had jaundice and um, we just hadn't put her outside in the sun, which is what you know you're supposed to do, sun your babies. Um, So we had to put her under the UV lights. And so that messed with our breastfeeding kind of flow because she was under these lights, she hated it. And we were alternating giving her this formula that had a specific Uh, formulation that was supposed to help get her um, bilirubin levels down which is like what the jaundice is I don't know Um, so we were alternating I was pumping and I was we were giving her these little bottles which she would take but not really drink them so that was a nightmare they wouldn't they didn't want to let us out of the hospital though because Her bilirubin levels were down, jaundice was fine, but they were like, she's just not back up to the weight that we are comfortable with. And I was like, you know, guys, I told my nurse this, you know, we never saw the doctor that was making this call that we needed to stay in, Uh, just the nurse who would tell us you're staying. And I was like, we're not staying another night. You wanna know why? (laughs) Uh, I wanna be able to feed my baby and be calm and at home. The only way that I'm going to be able to help my baby gain more weight is if I'm relaxed too. Right. And I'm not spending the night at the hospital another night if I don't have to. And they, I mean, Caleb and I were like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go AWOL, like we're just gonna leave. And you know, I don't know. I was Googling like a CPS gonna come after us, like what's gonna happen. Um, but you know, it ended up being fine. Our nurse was nice and weighed her with like a full wet diaper and she was good. So that was kind of our breastfeeding journey after that whole nightmare. Um, and after the St. Anne Novena, uh, she, she was a good little, good little eater, um, until, you know, weaning at 15, 16 months. And that was a whole thing, but That's another topic for another show.
0: Yes, (laughs) that's crazy. I think so. I mean, I guess I kind of like talked a lot about mine. The best and worst advice I received was keep going. It gets better because. It's true that when you've never breastfed before, you're probably going to be like a little bit sore. Like that's a lot of tugging on a sensitive area that you're not used to. Um, But at the same time with her ties, it took me months to not experience pain that made me cry each time I fed her. And Uh. I think I probably would have quit if she had been able to take a bottle. So I'm glad I didn't. And I'm, I guess I'm glad she couldn't take a bottle. But that pain isn't normal. So the keep going can be like harsh to a new mom whose baby has feeding issues and they don't realize they have feeding issues. So mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, that was like the best and worst advice I got because I, I it like made me stick it out. Um, but at the same time, I was like, why isn't it getting better? And it, it took me probably longer than I needed to, um, than it should have to realize that she had like issues that really needed addressing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> breastfeeding, yeah. it doesn't come natural to most people. So yeah. if you're a first time mom and you're struggling with breastfeeding, it's, it's kind of common. Um, but there's help and like, definitely seek help.
2: Yeah. The La Leche League. Was a lifesaver for me googling about breastfeeding. They have a yes. book too. The I think it's called the Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, that I put off reading until uh, it was too late, and I had my baby early. Uh, so don't put off. I would highly recommend <laughs> listening to that, or at least just scrolling through some La Leche League articles, um, specifically about latching. I didn't know anything about that, and that can really help. You know, with the with the pain, mm-hmm. it, unless you have a special instance um like for me I had pain and it was all because of Abigail's latch so getting ahead of that is important because if you get torn up like you're torn up and you know there's you can't tell as much like okay that didn't hurt as much because everything just hurts and you're bleeding yes (laughs) yes so definitely if something is hurting uh I went to the lactation consultant like three times the first week. Uh, Because, you know, of course, when we were there, she would drink from the left side and she was being like, perfect latch baby. And then we'd go (laughs) home and I was like, Caleb, what am I doing wrong? And he was just like, I don't know. We got to go back. So uh, it's definitely trial and error. But if if something's really hurting, that's a sign that, yeah, you need to get some more professional help.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And it didn't, I mean, I was already torn up by the time I was, I was still in the hospital and I was bleeding. So like, it's, it's really hard those first few weeks because they're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. So just give yourself grace. And if it doesn't get better, that's a sign something's not right. And it's worth investigating. Um. What helped you get through some of the toughest moments postpartum? Um. For me,
2: uh, the only way I got through postpartum was, was praying. Um, I haven't, I don't have like a very good, like I said, not very good at praying novenas and I don't have like a specific prayer routine currently. And I really didn't, um, back then, at the very least now I you know, do morning offering and at night and working on a more, you know, having babies really helps you with routines, uh, or so they say, um, but at the very least I like to pray with Abigail. So that's been helping me pray more. Yeah back then I, I was really, really anxious specifically about SIDS. Um, I was scared that she was just going to die in her sleep. Um, so every time I woke up in the night, uh, I was, I mean, panicking, like my heart was racing. And so that, that was kind of the most obvious manifestation of postpartum anxiety that I saw. I was never like diagnosed with it, but, um, I mean, I couldn't sleep and, I was having my heart was racing. I couldn't breathe. So, you know, so I that went on for a long time. Uh, For three months, we were in Pensacola and we couldn't get our parish to get around to baptizing her, which gave me a lot of anxiety um, because, uh, you know, the church doesn't teach that unbaptized babies go to hell at all. Um, But, you know, there is some teaching of like, they go to Abraham's bosom versus being in heaven. Uh, Regardless, wherever they go, it's like a really happy place. It's okay. But I would prefer to know that my baby is baptized. Um, That was, that was something that was keeping me from being very peaceful. And my church was just, this infuriates me. (laughs) My church was just, being bureaucratic, and they were like, "Well, we just don't have time." and Eventually, I just had to go to the priest, and I was like, "I need my baby baptized. I don't care if it's in front of the parish or not. I could give a crap. I want my baby baptized." We're doing this, <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's a sacrament. It's not something that you can just be like, "Well, we only do that every two months." Like, no, no. Um, in the good old days, your priest was there and baptized them immediately because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and you, your baby deserves to have sanctifying grace. Um, so getting Abigail baptized was the first step in the right, in really in getting me from going from every single night, waking up in terror that she was going to die to, I could wake up in the night worried she was going to die. That didn't go away. Um, but still say, okay, she's baptized. Like she's good. Like, um, you know saying like, God, I give this baby to you, which is hard and sucks. And I hate that, honestly, but it's important because, you know, your baby is a gift. Um, And she, you know, Abigail's been given to me so that I can try to teach her how to be a saint or something. You know, she's gonna help me become a saint. Um, So then I just, I pray the Hail Mary. Every time I woke up in the night, stressed and panicking, I would pray Hail Mary, I force myself to there, I think there was a lot of, um, kind of demonic influence in this, in, because it's, you know, in the nighttime, um, when you're tired, that's kind of the easiest time for them to, to mess with your brain. Uh, and so I think my brain was just telling me, well, you know, praying, what, what is praying going to do? You know, your baby, if they're not okay, then they're just not okay and whatever. But I, It sounds, I guess it sounds kind of silly to say that I forced myself to pray, but I really did in a lot of instances. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to pray, you know, I'm tired, like I want to go back to sleep. Um, But I would just sit there and pray a Hail Mary at the very least and just, you know, say like, I give this baby to you, God, like, please keep her safe. Um, But that, that wasn't, those were the only things that helped me getting her baptized and then uh, praying you know, trying to pray unceasingly as much as possible. Um, which, you know, another thing about having a baby that wakes up in the middle of the night all the time is you do have more opportunities to be praying. Like you're sitting there feeding them, you know, I guess you could be on your phone. I read some books, but a lot of times I didn't want to be on my phone. So it's just you and God and your baby. (laughs) So,
0: so true. Yeah. No, I think it's so true. I, people ask like how your prayer life looks after a baby. And I'm always like, oh, it's not good. I don't have structured prayer time like I used to. But when I think about it, I'm like praying so much more throughout the day now, because when I would be breastfeeding, I'd be like, this hurts, this sucks, this is frustrating. So I'd be praying. Um, I too struggle with really bad, like anxiety about SIDS. um, And honestly, like still so bad that when she was six months old, um I actually this thing right here that I'm holding I know you guys can't see it but it's a Nanit band I literally bought it because I'm still struggling so much with anxiety about this and she's six months old so now I have it for our future babies but it's basically like a band that monitors their breathing and I know it's it can give you a false sense of security but like it's helped me a little bit so like I do have to say if you're like really struggling not to not that you want to spend your money but like therapy and this Nana band has been awesome for helping me but like you're right praying in the middle of the night I would just like wake up you know terrified too and pray Hail Marys I'd also pray like guardian angel like please wake me up if something's wrong you know like wake me up so I can help her um but then like I guess in addition to that um something that really helped me was like showering (laughs) every day those first couple weeks because you just feel so crappy and showering just makes you feel like a new person like I've never loved showering so much in my life
2: I forgot all about that yes oh my goodness a good hot shower and you're like husband hold the baby I'm gonna shower and it kind of goes back to set your baby down and like allow yourself to have a second Because babies like to be on the ground. They love being like on a little plushy thing. They love kind of exploring, looking at stuff. They're babies. Like they don't need, I mean, Abigail loves being held. Don't get me wrong. Like she loves being held, but I was just so averse to her crying at all that I allowed myself to be like, well, no, I haven't showered in a couple of days. I guess I can just go a couple more days without showering, which is like, (laughs) no, like take, 10 minutes you know even if the baby is crying and say husband you help me make this baby we love this baby hold the baby
0: <laughs> take a shower. it's true and walk <laughs> far enough away from the bathroom that I can't hear her screaming <laughs> yeah take, take a walk yeah if you need to take a walk go outside
2: that was another thing that helped yes. me a lot my mom was like you need to go outside and get some sun and just sit in the sun so I would go like bask like a turtle Almost on, on the sidewalk <laughs> in the Florida heat, which I love because I'm from Texas. So I really do enjoy yeah. being out. Um, but there's something to be said about going outside. Yes. Um, part of my anxiety was I just didn't go anywhere with Abigail. I was worried that she was going to get pertussis and I was worried she was going to get blank and die. I was worried she was going to stop breathing in her car seat. Uh, you know, all these things. Um, they're I think they're totally normal to be like concerned about. But they don't really just happen randomly. Like, I hate to say it, but like, right. all the, all the oh, and stop Googling things. That's true. <laughs> that is stop. so true. Because the internet will tell you that everything you are doing is going to kill your baby. Um, part of it is like, they legally are obligated to. Part of it is the uh, American Academy of Pediatricians or whatever. Um, they Their rules are for the lowest common denominator, so that they can't get sued.
0: Yeah, that is so true.
2: Once you realize that, it's kind of freeing because if you are not the lowest common denominator, which uh, you know, I, I hope you're not. <laughs> um, but if you're not, which which means by that I mean you are doing everything in your power to keep your baby healthy, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, you're not going to just accidentally, mostly you're not going to accidentally do something wrong. Like it's a lot of this is kind of no brainers. Like don't set your baby on a railroad track. That's a bad idea. Um, You know, don't, that was a joke. I don't know if that was funny or not, but it
0: made me laugh. It is. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's talking. So I'm like muted.
2: <laughs> I was like, oh no, I went too far. Um, But more, uh, more realistically, you know, don't put a bunch of stuffed animals in the crib with your baby because you know, babies don't know about rolling, and they don't know about breathing. So good, so right, right, know, exactly. Avoid that yeah, that, yeah. Avoid that stuff. Um, but you know, they'll go as far as to say like, "You cannot put a blanket on your child." <laughs> like, but what if I'm sitting right here, uh, Association of Pediatricians? It's like, no, you can't do it. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, once I got over that, um, my life got a lot less stressful and a lot more like oh I can I can let her cuddle with a little little tiny toy because it's a tiny toy and it's
0: not going to suffocate her dang it (laughs) exactly and also too I want to mention like I was so nervous like I they say back is best back is best she had such bad reflex um that for her tummy was best. And it was such a scary decision because on day three, we put her on her stomach. I know she couldn't roll at that time by herself. Now she rolls fine and rolls all over her like when she's sleeping. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. She's very excited. But it was like terrifying because everyone's like, your baby's going to die on their stomach. But I'm like, but she might die on her back because she's choking. Like she can't breathe when I put her on her back. And so just understanding that like these recommendations, while I'm not saying to go against them, obviously like talk with um, medical professionals, but know that they aren't the end-all be-all and that if you need to do something different for your baby, you're doing what's best for your baby. There are safe ways to bed share. Look up the safe it's called or like breast sleeping they call it like bed sharing seven um statistically speaking there is no difference in SIDS between babies who safe who follow the safe sleep seven um for bed sharing and babies who sleep on their back alone in a crib so just Uh, people don't know these things yes (laughs) like just look at the statistics I mean like truly look at the statistics um and make informed decisions for your baby and what's best for them um but know that like I feel like having that freedom sooner would have helped me with a lot of anxiety.
2: Yeah, it is freedom. It is absolutely, it's it's informed consent. I'm not gonna get into vaccinations, but it, even just the bed sharing, I didn't mention, I forgot to mention this. Um, I'm open about talking about it though. Once we got to five months and Abigail refused to, um, she refused to sleep in her crib. Um, we just brought her into the bed with us. And yeah, safe sleep seven. And we followed all the rules, and she was fine. And I know people. Yeah. I, mean, yep. I don't. I don't feel super comfy with tiny babies, but that's just me personally. But I know people. Tons of people do it. And you know what? The thing that really red pilled me into all of this is uh, America is one of the like the only countries in the world that has all of these rules, and it's just not. Uh, it's not statistic like the.
0: No, we have a high our- SIDS rate. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, the numbers aren't there so no. be willing to look into this yourself but at the same time don't look into it too much so that that brings a lot of freedom and peace once you realize I'm not sleeping and my baby's not sleeping something yeah. has to change and there's yeah. it's scary and it's it is tremendously scary but you kind of just have to let go sometimes and say yeah, yeah. my baby has to sleep
0: yep and exactly. I have to sleep
2: and I'm doing the best thing. I mean, I'm not doing something crazy, dangerous by letting my baby roll onto their stomach.
0: Right. Exactly. Sleep. Exactly. So yeah. So just don't feel shame for doing what's best for you and your family. Um, I just think a lot about like the Holy Family and what they did. Like they probably weren't putting Jesus only on his back, you know. And got put in stays. a manger. <laughs> he got put okay.
2: where the. Where the animals ate. And if you've ever right. been in a barn before, it's also where the chickens poop. Oh, and I did not know that. Well, you know, chi- I mean, chickens. Poop. I mean, I guess they poop everywhere. But think about it, okay? Uh, if, you know, if you're anywhere with livestock, there right. yep. was poop, okay? Yeah, right. You okay. know. And that's, like, awful. And obviously, Mary wasn't just, like, neglecting Jesus. You know, she wrapped him up, and she did, mm. you know, all the things she could to keep him. She probably... Probably um, slept with him, like held yep. him and breasted <laughs> him and all that stuff. But you know, uh, you're not going to see that on the internet. Um, right. But, you know, that's yeah. just, you that's can't.
0: Just
2: heavily, yeah. It, it's we're, we're in such a sanitized society. I'm not saying put your baby like in a poopy manger. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Don't recommend. Highly unrecommend. But we live in such a sanitized society that it's so easy for us to just say, back is best. Sound mm-hmm. bite. Clip. No yeah. lawyer is coming after me because this is what everyone says to do. Thanks. Um, yeah. But that's just not, it's ludicrous. <laughs>
0: yep, that's so true. And that it's criminal so
2: true. to do to moms, it's so wrong. I we know. have so it, much to worry about when we have a new tiny baby. And sometimes, this is awful, I had to realize this, sometimes babies just pass away. They just die, yeah, they have a heart mm-hmm. defect and they die.
0: Mm-hmm. They have like
2: a brain defect and they just die. And that's, I, can't, I mean, I can't even imagine. I haven't lost any children. Um, I hope you know never to. But I think that's something that our society shies away from talking about, like especially like miscarriages yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but even you know infants. That's just you see you go to a graveyard and there there are all these little you know infant graves, and that's just a reality that we don't. We don't like to talk about because it's painful but the blessing of you know being christian is that we know that we're all dying you know memento mori, like we are all gonna die and if your baby passes away you know they're they're good like they they were good and holy like they were these beautiful little creations and gifts so it's i mean it's tremendously sad i can't imagine it but there is hope in the resurrection and that's what we have to cling to because otherwise the doom scroll will take over and you will you will fall into despair i mean you just
0: yeah so that's such a good point well okay kind of speaking of the holy family one thing that i have is it's beautiful it's a holy family swaddle from january jane shop um, and Jaina, the owner, she's actually so sweet. So January Jane shop creates and sells Catholic inspired art and goods to sanctify the ordinary, inspire others to become everyday saints for the kingdom of heaven. I love that. That's their mission statement. I think that's so beautiful. Um, nice. but yeah, so I have like, she's got so many, so many beautiful products, but, um, I have their holy family swaddle and it's like literally the prettiest. She does like, um, art. I mean, she's an artist. So she draws art and it's like three flowers while representing, you know, Mary, Joseph and Jesus. And it is like, absolutely beautiful and so like just having that kind of helped me like that and like just like other like holy family reminders helped me like keep things in perspective and remember to like you know follow their example and also like to pray through my anxiety mm-hmm. and all this like postpartum stuff too um, yeah but but um anyway Jana she her shop is beautiful she's got other things too um she has beautiful polaroid packs and at first I was like I don't I don't know about this but I got the holy couples one and holy cow it is literally like the highest quality polaroid pack you'd ever have like it's like woven paper it's like super thick like beautifully printed on I'm like I think I might order all of them and then like string them up in our house and do like what because I feel like we're probably planning to homeschool but like you know just like do like saint studies each day and like choose a different one to be like the saint of the week I was like this is beautiful like it's beautiful art for your home and then it's like awesome to like teach your kids about the saints and you know different couples like that which is awesome she's also got like a beautiful fiat floral line um I have her postcards and they're just so fun to send to like my sister in college and stuff like that um but yeah I I like I found her shop recently and I love it so much. So Jan- that's January Jane Shop. Jane was the owner. And she's offering everyone a um, 15% discount for two weeks after this podcast airs. And then after that, the code will be for 10% off, um, like in- infinitely. I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for. <laughs> but the Four code hours. is Catholic. Yes, <laughs> there you go. The code is Catholic woman in all caps. Um, And actually, she gave us a link to I'll put it in the show notes. But if you just click on the link, it'll automatically oh. apply the discount code to your cart, which is awesome. But Highly recommend, um, the January Jane shop. I have been so impressed by all of her products. And yeah, like I said, I'm about to go order all of the Saint, the Saint Polaroids that we can do, like little Saint studies and just have prettier artwork in the house too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's another thing you can do for your friends is buy them Saint stuff, buy them a sweet little baby swaddle that has the Holy family or those flowers on it as a reminder, put a crucifix up in your room, put it next to their crib or their bassinet, like all of those things to remind you to focus on hope and focus on God instead of focusing on what Satan wants you to focus on, which is Sid and the world. And am I doing this wrong? And self-hate and Um, self-blame. Yeah, that's a really good thing. That's a, that's a good friend thing to do is to bring a holy even just one, you know, like your church passes them out and you're like, I'm throwing this away. Um, don't throw it away. (laughs) Give it to your (laughs) struggling postpartum new mom
0: friend. Yes, Um, That's a good point.
2: Yeah. The pray unceasingly. I'm such a scatterbrain. I, I easily fall into, uh, like I said, this morning, I woke up immediately and was like, I'm cleaning now. Um, Instead, (laughs) I should have done, you know, a morning offering. (laughs) Hello. So having those things around, that's why I love small businesses is because they have all these beautiful things um I have so many stickers from Jess Love Prince um, Oh yes they're just around and now I'm really it's so sweet because Abigail sees them and she goes she says Jeez. that's how she says oh. Jesus oh. so she's she's like Jeez, geez I'm like yes it's Jesus and it's that's so cute it's the best it's the best yes. because I know and when we go to mass she sees the crucifix she's like Jesus and it's oh. just it's amazing because I'm like I mean I told her you know every week okay that's Jesus that's Jesus and finally she recognizes him and I tell yes. her, you know he loves you and that's just that's our whole job yes. is to you know educate and you know procreate yes. and educate them um, so that shops like so shops like that really they're next level
0: that's they so make true. they make
2: life <laughs> they make being a Christian just that much easier because yes. they remind you.
0: Yes, that's so true. Yeah, actually I had a St. Jude card just laying around and I put it in my breastfeeding like area and I'm like, it helped me so much because he's patient same impossible causes. It just breastfeeding felt impossible to me. So it just like stuff like that. It's like so helpful. Such a good gift for your friend, especially if you can't go in person. Like I know yeah. like a lot of, yes. I'm friends with a lot of people who, like you, like we, who we don't live close to each other. And so like, just stuff like that, that you can send when you can't send meals and stuff is honestly such a good gift for mom. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know we've talked a lot. I'm going to kind of rapid fire some questions from our listeners that we collected, um, if we want to go in depth on any of these, we can, but I also know we've been talking for a while. Okay, I will <laughs> um, keep so it short. these are good. So the first one is: are you using a sleep training method like baby-wise or taking care of babies?
2: No. I put the baby, Abigail slept in her bassinet through four months. And at five months, we said, We're not sleeping. There's no more sleep <laughs> going on. Go into the bed. safe sleep seven. And we've done that ever since. And Abigail still sleeps in between us. And it's been a joy to wake up next to her. We're trying to figure out if she will be interested in going to her crib uh, for next baby. But uh, we also used a swing for a while while she's still fit in it. But no, we have never sleep trained. We have just... we have just slept we have just slept and you know what I couldn't couldn't handle crying it out it works for some people um it didn't work for us so
0: yeah I um ended up buying the taking care of babies sleep course and I watched most of it but I can't do it because I just have such bad postpartum anxiety still I just can't um I just it's they say it's not crying it out and I guess you don't just leave them forever, but I still can't do the check-ins where they're still crying. I just, it gives me too much anxiety. So for us, no. And we are still very much struggling with sleep. We've tried bed sharing, we try crib, all this stuff. And she still wakes up every like 30 minutes to an hour at night, which is exhausting, whether she's in our bed or the crib. Um, But like, I've just kind of come to terms with like, I, it would bring me too much anxiety to sleep train. And also She's getting to the point where I'm like starting to wonder if there's like maybe a medical reason behind it too and I don't want to just sleep train and like ignore that medical reason so I am not against sleep training I like I said I have a course and I watched it but um, for my anxiety and our situation right now I'm, I haven't done it either. Uh, Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's I mean, but like, I get, I get. It's necessary for some people. So, like, not yeah. knocking sleep training at all. Just do whatever's best for your family. Is kind of <laughs> like the underlying theme of this this episode,
2: right? Um, right.
0: Someone says, "Do with my first soon." What's something you wish you would have known and prepared for? Hey. Um. Well, a good thing I wish I had known is that. Well, at
2: least for me, I have a lot of insomnia third trimester, and that that prepped me for the waking up at night. So that was kind of cool. God thing. I was like, God, why can't I sleep? Like I'm <laughs> tired. I'm tired right now. I'm really fat and I'm tired. <laughs> and just, um, but then I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, I'm used to waking up and eating <laughs> three times a night. So I just wake up maybe. baby. So that was a good thing that I, I was not re- that I wasn't prepared for, but I was like, oh, yeah. This is nice. Um, something, I mean, we've talked a lot about a bunch of stuff. I think, um, I think breastfeeding, I think just mm-hmm. find find a community of people who are having babies right now yeah. that have babies. I don't have, um, since we're a military family, I struggled, it's my own fault, but I struggled finding friends who'd already had babies. I was the kind of the first friend who got married, first friend who had babies. Um, but there are there are moms that you can find that are near you. And yeah, just just find some of those and then you can be prepared for whatever whatever is going to come your way because my mom uh she had two kids um you know that was like 20 years ago um so the baby stuff is just like whatever my mother-in-law uh raised quite a few kids but still it was like it's different to have someone who literally has a baby like right now um has all these kids is in the midst of the kid stuff. Um, and there's Facebook groups too. Literally, if you cannot find a single in-person person, uh, join some of the the Facebook groups. There's like the Catholic nursing League. Um, just there there's so many of them. Um, yeah, cause you don't I, I yeah. can't tell you like what's gonna happen. Like you could have the easiest breastfeeding journey ever. Mm-hmm. um, but you physically could be having some serious like postpartum stuff. Um, yeah. but you want to find people. You want to get connected to people who are going to be able to support you through that, um, and then just yeah. don't sleep. Don't sleep on sleep and showers and praying. Yes, yes. And That's don't be cool. afraid. Don't be afraid to ask people to help you. Don't you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Nobody wants to be handed a crying baby, but you know, if if they get to enjoy the happy baby they get to enjoy the crying baby as well
0: (laughs) that's a really good point yeah that's a really good point yeah honestly yeah it's hard because you don't know what you're going to experience postpartum so like I feel like that's a really hard question I don't know for me I guess I don't know I guess I would have liked to know more about like um like tongue ties or like Um, sleep issues and stuff like that before I had her obviously I'm learning as we go and that's what you do with most of your kids anyway because I'm sure there's stuff that I'm not experiencing now that I'll experience with the future baby Um, but just I guess like knowing maybe just knowing like how to do good research and not just go with what the um, like basic guidelines are or what like Facebook groups recommend like knowing how to do true solid research and um, like discern what what's like Incredible and what's not um I feel like mm-hmm. that's really helped me to like n- figure figure things out as I go
2: yeah uh I have a good I have a post on my blog about postpartum stuff that I wish I'd known and it's got all kinds of stuff like oh, witch yeah. hazel wipes um you know for physical things I also had a small tear so knowing about that like uh <laughs> knowing about like stool softeners and all that jazz oh, yes oh um, my gosh I didn't I had no clue that your body is like <laughs> gonna totally do you dirty like that
0: um <laughs> I'll link uh, that in the show notes you that's right you yeah. sent that to me before I had her and it was really Ooh. good yeah
2: I I thought I, I honestly I made it right after I gave had dealt with all of it so that I wouldn't forget so that I would have it March. for the next time around <laughs> yes um some some people some resources on vaccines that I find really helpful are um very Caritas, Libertas on instagram oh yes and just the inserts they yeah. will give you the information if you have questions about vaccinations the cdc has they're called inserts which is what the information is has all the side effects um has all the information about how they haven't been tested on anything and whatever uh whatever but those are really good places to go you do not want to yes. just be out there googling in the wild Um, on that kind of stuff because people will lie to you um, and they will gaslight you and it's disgusting and horrible. Um, But, you know, there are good resources out there that are giving you the truth and informed, you know, you're going to be able to make your informed consent on that. Uh, But you don't have to, I would wait, (laughs) personally, I would wait on that stuff. Um, I think the first round of technical vaccinations are supposed to be three months anyway. Well, I, think I yeah, denied really the weird. Hep, the Hep B and the vitamin K. I was like, I don't want that. Thank you, um, tiny babies, toxic load, whatever. Um, it's your, is your decision. But you know that I decided not to. So then I waited three months, I think. Um, but yeah, just uh, that's yeah, something. that's a you good know, point. keep on in the back of your head. But definitely don't just Google in the yes. wild. Stuff. Yes.
0: Go to the source itself if possible. Like you said, especially for vaccines. Go read those inserts. And you can also
2: read um, just the the rates of like who actually gets it. Because um, yes. they made me get like all the Tdap and everything. And then I was reading about it. And I think only seven children died of pertussis yes. in 2019. Yeah. Um. And I was like, my and I was. I mean, Abigail was an incredibly healthy baby. Um, and those odds just weren't, for me personally, weren't high enough. Uh. Yeah. To risk the other adverse side effects that are on the insert. Yes. Including yeah. for a lot of them, including death. Um. Yeah. Which is horrible. But you need to know. So.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now, and make your you own know. informed decision. Um. True. Something too. I like to think about is when your baby's being born, you had a summer baby, I had a winter baby. So like for you, I know you mentioned uh-huh. going outside. I couldn't really do that. And she did get sick mm. a ton. but like kind of knowing, cause babies can't take medicine and I'm not really very pro medicine anyway. Um, but like knowing like what babies can take or like what you can give your baby that's safe um for them you know even if it's just nursing and you taking the supplements or something like that I'm like learning about that beforehand too because when your baby's sick it's kind of scary so um I feel like I would have done a little bit more preparation for like what to do when they're sick or stuff like that
2: yeah that's a good one and and that your antibodies if you're sick transfer to your baby so you want to keep feeding I didn't know that until I had I was like, that's amazing. God, that's so cool. Thanks for doing that.
0: (laughs) Right, Exactly. All right. Next question is how do you decide to TTW, which means trying to whatever, or like trying to conceive um, again, when postpartum and pregnancy has been so hard?
2: Gosh, you know, uh, I had quite a bit of like birth trauma for, so for a while I was like, heck no, we are staying away from that. Um, obviously <laughs> they tell you like, I think six weeks is, is their like no, no period of like no sex. You are yeah. not doing that right now. Your body needs to heal. Um, that was not hard for me at all. I was like this. Yeah, my body was wrecked. <laughs> um, so whatever. But, uh, we, we waited for, I mean, our life was just kind of tumultuous we moved you know we had the military moved us when abigail was oh, i don't know like 11 maybe um so you just need to ask god and i think he'll put a piece on your heart about it i think uh, that doesn't always happen because if you have a, a traumatic experience like i did um and, you know, it sucks to be first trimester and nauseous and gross. It really just does, like, you know, mm-hmm, being honest. Yeah. Um, so there is that kind of selfish aspect of, like, oh, am I just being selfish right now or what? But I, Caleb and I both just got to the point where we were like, yeah, I mean, if we had another baby, this, you know, Abigail's such a sweetheart Um, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we think we can mentally and, like, emotionally handle another one but i think there's something to be said about grave reasons for uh waiting and i think if you don't if you can't tell if it's grave or not like if you're being selfish or if you're you know listening to god find a spiritual director that'll help you
0: yes Um, That's that's sometimes it's
2: really hard to tell and so some oftentimes you just need a good and holy priest to tell you and if they're not a good and holy priest they'll just uh they'll probably just tell you to wait (laughs) Um, I don't know Uh, we have really great spiritual director and he was kind of just like you know what are you waiting for is God like asking y'all to wait um what's the deal and we were like oh probably not we don't feel (laughs) yeah so trying to I like the phrase trying to whatever because it doesn't like yeah it's just whatever um
0: right whatever God wants
2: Apparently I'm like really fertile or whatever. So our whatever was like, oh,
0: okay. Um." (laughs) That's funny for me. I feel like, so I don't know about you. I got my cycle back despite having massive clotting at six weeks postpartum. It has been regular since. However, it is my um, luteal phase is non-existent. It is literally like three days. I ovulate and then three to four days later, I get my period. So like I am fertile like quote air quotes but like I'm not because there's no time for the baby to implant and so like for us she's almost seven months we want our kids close in age um I'm still like feeling pretty miserable because I don't sleep but then also just given my history of losses and knowing that I have like an an anatomy thing that like could make that possible again I feel like for us you kind of I mean it's different for every family but you take that into consideration too like it probably won't be the first few like months of doing whatever for us um and so like things like that too like I don't know I feel like the best way to do it is like find a good spiritual advisor and just remember like that you do have to have like grave reasons technically to like abstain um and that's different for everybody so I'm not here to like say like your reasons aren't grave um or they are um but just like you know Discerning that for yourself and then finding good spiritual directors a really good good thing to think about. And then just like your circumstances if you struggled to conceive before and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I was
2: exclusively breastfeeding. I was doing the whole like, okay, I'm not gonna get my phase back. So I didn't get my cycle back until I think I was like seven months postpartum. I was like a long time along. Yeah. Um so you know, obviously for that whole time, uh, you know, no babies. Um so then, it, once my cycle came back, then it was just kind of a question of yeah, and I yeah, I'm exhausted, and I I uh, can't even take care of myself or my family. Okay,
0: right.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, it's probably God, you no, know, is not telling me you need to get pregnant and do all that. Um, right. So I, yeah.
0: yeah, spiritual That's direction different.
2: is a one.
0: Yes. Oh, okay. There's so many more questions, but I'm just going to pick one more and then we'll wrap this up. So I can do four fast. <laughs> okay. This it's just so hard. Cause there's so much to talk about. Um, yeah. I'll just like, okay. So someone said, wish I made more re- freezer meals, such a lifesaver. That is true. Um, someone says, can you talk about those first three weeks? They're so tough. I think we have. Yes. They I agree. Okay. Have are tough? Yes. Good support um we already talked about that one um we kind of touched on postpartum anxiety and depression um to um this person says I'm pregnant and so anxious about postpartum anxiety and postpartum de- de- depression my goodness because I already struggle with depression and anxiety but I don't do meds while pregnant I feel good now but what if I'm not good when she gets here how will I know when and how to ask for help I'm scared I don't want to fail I That's feel hard. so yeah that is hard I know we talked about like a little bit about what it like feels like and kind of how to go through it um I don't know about you I grace I didn't ever get medication for mine um but I feel like if you are at a point where you feel like you can't handle it reach I mean reach out even before you get to that point I know like I I know I was at a point and I still I'm getting better now finally I feel like I just came around like maybe like a few weeks ago I started to get better um but just like at a point where you're like so miserable that you can't function um get help and like I um whether that's meds for you or therapy or something like that that's great for me I decided I wanted to try to treat it with food um and so I did a total like deep dive into like metabolic eating and we've kind of overhauled our whole eating in the past few weeks and I've actually started to feel a little bit better I still don't sleep a lot which I know is definitely contributing to that um But just like whatever help looks like for you, don't be afraid to like reach out to your doctor or reach out to family and be like, I'm not okay, but I don't know what to do. Can you help me?
2: Yeah. Bring it to the light. Don't let it stay in the darkness because that's where Satan is going to just pull you into despair. Don't allow the fear to just fester. Just bring it out to the light. Let everyone know how you're feeling. And if you can't get yourself help, other people will help you get help
0: yes um,
2: good, just good yeah you can't you can't leave it between you and your baby and Jesus yep
0: yep good point We talked about breastfeeding is it okay to show up to mass and not be fully present heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm even in church for like the vast majority of mass anymore That's I have so a very funny. loud energetic yeah. girl
2: <laughs> oh yeah having a baby during mass is like Okay, for instance, for example, Abigail is like, she's like six, she was like 20 months for the Easter Vigil. Yeah. Um, somebody literally did the exact same reading twice in a row. Oh my gosh. And I didn't even notice. Hale <laughs> told me after mass, he was like, did you notice? I was like, absolutely not. I was, you know, we were, Abigail and I were playing with tape on the pew. Um <laughs> So if you, you know, since you know now that you probably aren't going to be able to focus, you know, read the readings in advance. Jesus loves you and wants you to be present there. Um, The whole participating in the mass thing isn't really all that important anyway. Um, You need to be, you need to be there. God doesn't need you to have a, a beautiful and valid mass. He wants you to be there with your baby because babies bring joy. They bring hope. Um, New life is beautiful. And that curmudgeonly old man who looks at your laughing 20-month-old and glares at you, he needs that baby there too to be reminded that Jesus loves the little children. And so, so no, (laughs) you will not be able to pay attention during Mass. Sometimes, on the first three weeks, Abigail actually slept through the Masses. She was like a little golden baby. It was so cute. And then the fourth week, our streak ended and she was like,
0: woo, freaking out and crying and whatever.
2: Uh, so yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's I it's I know mass is interesting, but yes, yeah, it is totally okay to not be fully present. Last question. This is one we did not talk about um so I feel like we should touch this a little bit. How does the relationship with your husband change throughout the postpartum period? So
2: my relationship with my husband drastically has improved over the last, you know, two years of having a baby. Um, you know, every, as with every relationship, it's been like a roller coaster. Um, but as like a marriage as a whole, it's now like a functioning marriage, whereas the two and a half years we were married before having a baby, it was just, um, it just wasn't as great as it ought to have been i i posted something the other day with a little quote um from fulton sheen let me just i found it uh this is venerable fulton sheen it takes three to make love not 2 you your spouse and god without god people only succeed in bringing out the worst in one another lovers who have nothing else to do but love each other soon find there's nothing else without a central loyalty life is unfinished so obviously that quote yeah it is really good Um, that quote is talking specifically about God, um, but babies are a huge part of allowing God into your marriage and, um, or at least at the very least like motherhood, um, obviously, you know, some people struggle with infertility and they can't have babies. Um, so if you're struggling with infertility, I'm not saying that you can't have like a solid marriage, but having a baby It it means that you have this project now in your marriage that both of you have to work together and you have to learn how to love each other selflessly and you have to learn how to (laughs) have this little tiny selfish being that, you know, they just need, they need you. And you have to learn how to take care of all of that instead of, you know, before I had a baby, I could just kind of do whatever the heck I wanted, you know, I could clean or not. now you know once your baby starts crawling it's like okay i have to clean that up or my baby's going to get it you know
0: right Um, yeah
2: so that was that's been that's been huge we realized that we needed to find a spiritual director to help us um and we never would have realized that if we hadn't had a baby um so yeah so having a baby was it's not it's not even just the best thing that happened in our marriage it was the only thing that could have happened for our marriage to be where it's at right now, which is a really good place. So, um, I don't know who, who asked this, like where your marriage is at, but, um, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, sharpening, sharpening you against a diamond. I I don't know what the phrase is like steel, iron
0: sharpens,
2: steel Steel, sharpens. Iron sharpens iron. There you go. Iron sharpens. iron. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Iron sharpens iron. Um, but it's kind of an integral part to san- sainthood, at least in my life. Um, so there's going to be struggle and it's definitely, obviously it's a transition, but as long as you focus on taking care of each other and then taking care of your baby, um, then you'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah.
0: It's yeah, just different. That's a good point.
2: It's different. It's you can't, different. you can't be selfish together anymore. You have to be selfless together.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it definitely, I know people say it either like drives them together or ruins their marriage. And I just have to say, there are always going to be ups and downs in your marriage. It's going to be very hard. And sometimes you don't like your spouse, but you can still love them. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's very hard, but at the same time, it forces you to work together um, or crack and break. And I feel like um, Catholic marriages have like, We're just very different because we have the sacramental graces of marriage too not just like the validity of like a lawful marriage um and really lean into those sacramental graces pray a lot more together um and just like honestly remember your vows like we I literally made my vows like the the background of my phone screen because sometimes it's just like she is taking all my time and I need to remember like I not not even just to like prioritize Ian too but like to work together with him and like not let my exhaustion and my touched outness get in the way of our relationship either um and like obviously he's had to sacrifice a lot too for me and my body and all that I've gone through and just remember that it's mutual sacrifice and also I feel like you both will get um like jealous with the other like I know that I get jealous that he gets to go talk to people all day and doesn't have to deal with a crying baby. And sometimes I'm just so overwhelmed by the end of the day. But then I have to remember at the same time too, he sacrifices and he's not with her all day, and he misses so many of her cute moments that like I get to see and a lot of her yeah. first that I get to experience. Yeah, which and is a like big deal. It's yes. a big deal.
2: I have the same. I think this is a common thing. I had a lot of built up resentment. And that was really causing stress on our marriage. And that was causing stress on my husband. And, you know, he would tell me that sort of thing. Like, well, you know, I'm missing these things. And like, I'd rather, you know, I'm going to work. Like, it's not like I'm going to pick daisies for eight hours. Right. A day. I'm going to be with a bunch of stinky Marines. He didn't say that, but they were. stinky. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I'd be like, oh, whatever. Like, I would love to blank any blank, blank. Um, but, uh, you know, quickly from what we've been talking about that's a load of crap if I were away from Abigail for more than a couple of hours for the first year of her life I would be like I have to come back I've been at Target for too long I I can't (laughs) yeah I can't get the milk I have to we have to get back now like it's it's yeah um yeah no no, it's true what uh Kimberly Hahn who is Scott Hahn's wife has a really really good book um she has a couple of good books, but it's called, oh, Um, I th- well, I read, she has a couple, Beloved and Blessed, Chosen and Cherished, and Graced and Gifted. The one I read was Graced and Gifted, Um, and it basically just talks about a lot of stuff that I didn't want to think about, like, uh, in the vocation of marriage, like, doing the laundry as, like, a sacrifice for your family, and it's like, I, I swear to you, and I also read the Summa Domestica, and oh, those yes, two books together, good. I was so salty at first, I was like, I just had this ball of resentment it was really bad um find a good confessor because they will point this out to you for you you know for your soul um but i was like well i don't want to do all this laundry why is my husband not blankety blank and i'm not saying that husbands don't do laundry because they do um you know if they're loving you they will also pick up their dirty socks on occasion um but when you are at home like like i am blessed to be at home um Think of it more like, you know, it's it's a blessing to him to be able to come home to a house that's not like a pig's all the time, you know? Um, and there are days when you have a tiny baby, there's a day where it's like, my biggest accomplishment for our marriage today was that this baby is taking a nap right now. And that I'm not, that I still have hair that I didn't pull out of my head. <laughs> like, and you just it. need to be able to communicate that with your husband. Like, hey, husband. I hope you had a good day. Mine was really crappy. Um, you know, our sweet little angel was a menace because she has teeth coming (laughs) in, um, which is a whole thing. Um, but you know, as long as you're communicating that you say, you know, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, you know, the kitchen is kind of disgusting right now because tiny baby and your, your loving husband, if you're, you know, if your husband is reciprocating with love, he's going to say, Oh, gosh, that's horrible. I'm sorry. You know, I had a bad day at work too, or, uh, maybe I had a good day here. I'll do the dishes. Um, there's no, we went through a lot of, um, I discovered a certain book, a certain Catholic book about submission, uh, toward the beginning of having a baby. And it really skewed my, um, reality of what, uh, a Christian, a Catholic marriage is supposed to look like. Um, but my, my, uh, spiritual director said it best. He said, you should ask your husband, um, to do things. (laughs) Ding, ding. Um, you should ask your husband because he is the head of the household and women tend to have this gift of possibilities and understanding and having all these different options. And it's like, I don't know where we should go to eat because I love this place and I love this place too. And they're also really great and wonderful. And that is part of the feminine genius. Um, So sometimes asking your husband like, hey, um, I love this taco place and I love this fish place. Like where, where do you think we should go? And then he can just make the final decision instead of being frustrated at you for having all these ideas um I love so there's that. that aspect of like okay I asked him he made a decision like cool we're gonna go eat this place um obviously that can be translated to bigger life questions as well but you your husband also must listen to his wife and that's a part of the book that um just didn't get fleshed out as much as like I needed for my life my marriage uh is the Part where your husband is listening to you. I'm not trying to throw Caleb under the bus. We both were just doing marriage wrong, like I said. um But you know, if he, if I went ahead and said, I love this dish place and this taco place, like I would love to eat at both of these places. I'm also gluten free, so it's important to me that we go to a restaurant that has gluten free options, right? <laughs> and then if he said, Well, actually, I want to go to this pizza place, and there's no gluten free options, that would be not loving, you know, that would be wrong. So. So there's that dynamic of the complementarity, and I think it is uh, brought out by having babies in the best way. Um, but you just need to make sure that you're following the right people. Um, you, you need to make sure that you have a good understanding of what God is actually uh, has planned for us in marriage. And Kimberly Hahn does a really, really healthy, great job of doing that.
0: That's a so, great. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have nothing else to add. That was that was really well said. All right. Wow. So we talked a lot and we could have kept talking for hours. There's just so much about the postpartum period. Maybe we'll have to do like a part 2 episode sometime. But if you could leave um one piece of advice to first-time moms or even, you know, second, third-time moms about the postpartum period, what would it be?
2: Um I think I think the most important thing is just not falling into to despair. I think just hoping you know, um, uh, I think it's, what is the quote? Oh no. Uh, my spiritual director told me the other day, um, I don't know, but the gist of it is basically it is good. You know, God is good. Like life will be, you'll, you're going to be okay. Um, and that's just, I think focusing on that instead of focusing on all the bad stuff that will be happening. Like, I'm not trying to say that like crap isn't going to go wrong. Like babies are these like chaotic little, little beings, um, that God gifts to us. And we're like, God, why did, what is this? Like, why, what's going on? I want to sleep now. (laughs) Um, but instead of focusing on all the negatives, um, focus on the hope that we have focus on all the goodness that babies bring to you and to other people and be unapologetically, loving to your babies and bring them bring them out into public so that other people can see the beauty of babies because that's that is very pro-life true.
0: that is so true that was that was really well said. um as mine is losing it <laughs> um
2: <laughs> yeah like we said postpartum is so unique for everybody um but I think that is one thing that's I mean everybody needs to do that but especially new moms Probably because I'm about to do it again. And I know that my temptation is just to despair and, oh, this, you know, woe is me. I'm so tired, blah, blah, blah. Um, Luckily, my husband and I are in a place now where he is on despair alert (laughs) and he's able to help me, you know, help point out when I am in desolation. Um, So that's, you know, really helpful. But we weren't there the first time. Uh, So self-policing, also important. Find, if you need a therapist, find a therapist. Um, If you need, you do need spiritual direction. Um, (laughs) If you need spiritual direction, I think there's a website called spiritualdirection.com. You know, find a trusted priest, preferably or lay person who will give you good, solid Catholic advice and, you know, will celebrate your motherhood and celebrate the difficulty of having a little child. um, But focus and help you refocus on the fact that it's a blessing.
0: Yes, that is so true. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. This was so, so beautiful. And I know so many people are gonna um, really be helped by this episode. So can you tell our listeners like what you do and where they can find you?
2: Yes. So I do a couple of things. I'm multi passionate as most women are because that's what women do best in our feminine genius is have lots of things we love. So I am on Instagram grace.elaine.brown. Um, and I share like homemaking and motherhood and kind of whatever stuff over there. I have a blog gracefulcatholic.com where I share all that similar stuff. Um, that's where that postpartum blog post is as well. And I um, am currently doing some Pinterest management for Catholic businesses. So if you have a Catholic business and you're interested in getting off of the grind of TikTok um, or Instagram reels, and you're interested more in Pinterest, I can help you set that up. And I kind of just like to help Catholic small businesses or Catholic businesses in general, um, just market. I, I learned marketing, as a hobby and I've been doing it for the last four years so now it's not so much a hobby level anymore um which is fun but that's kind of what I do and then full-time obviously I am a mother of two and we'll soon be having a little one and we'll soon be re-listening to this entire podcast <laughs>
0: Yeah. Grace is honestly awesome at Pinterest management and like all things SEO. She does it for me. So a little biased there, but literally she, she like ranks for any page she ever creates. I'm so jealous, not jealous, but I'm just very impressed by Grace and all of her um, marketing skills. So if you're a small business owner, definitely reach out to her because she's awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And Grace, thank you again for being here. Um, If you are listening and you like it, please leave a review. Remember to screenshot the episode and tag us so that we can see and reshare what you loved about this. And let us know if you guys want to hear a part two as well, because there's just so much we could talk about. So thank you again, Grace, for being here today. Yes. Thank you for having me. God bless.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we look forward to catching you again in the next episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast.